Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for all that you're doing in our midst. We pray that this morning's message would lead us, guide us through your word, through your Holy Spirit. In your son's name, amen. This is a next level type of a message. This is a, a chunk of steak, so to speak. When, when, you, when you think about the Bible, the Bible says that when people start off, they're like babies, desiring the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby, right? So you start off with the milk of the word. I start off new believers in the book of John. That's a great spot to get the spirit of the love of God. And um, the more you get into it, she's fine. No, she, she wants more spotlight this week. Last week wasn't enough. Um, but, you know, the point, the, the point of it is, is as you grow in, in grace, you desire more. You want to learn more. You want to understand uh, the why behind those concepts. And this week is very much a behind the scenes, behind, pull back the curtain a little bit, and you're going to see what makes the watch tick, what makes, what makes the clock keep time. You're going to see some of that this week. Um, we're still, somebody tell me, what, what sermon are we discussing? Anybody remember? Sermon on the Mount, which was whose first sermon? Huh? It was the disciples first, but who was preaching his first sermon? Jesus. And so last week we talked about what? Does anybody remember? The blessings and the woes, exactly. So those that are blessed and those that, Ray, it's good to see you, man. The, those that are blessed and those that are cursed. Uh, so Jesus, remember we talked about uh, the Old Testament. The last word in the Old Testament is referring to a curse. And the first message that Jesus preaches in the New Testament is talking about a blessing. So you got to think about that shift in mindset for the Israelites, for those Jewish people that he came unto. He's saying, look, you've been 400 years silent from the Old Testament to the New Testament. I'm coming on the scene strong as the Messiah, and, and I'm going to bring about my kingdom, right? So, but you have to understand that they were wanting him to establish his kingdom right then right now. We want you to, to set the record straight, overthrow the government, set up your one true kingdom on earth. But it wasn't time. That's what he said to them over and over. It's not time. You don't understand yet. He was coming with a specific purpose in mind, and that was the cross, right? To pay for the sin debt, to then open up the gospel to the entire world, the Gentile people. Now we understand that. Now we know that. They didn't quite get that. Uh, but, but we're living in the church age. We're living in a time and a period uh, that, that God is using the church to bring uh, the lost to himself. What we do here in a, at the local church setting is an eternal work. As the bride of Christ, as we are operating in this relationship with him, we, we are to be used to bring those that do, do not know him to him. That's our work as the church. What do we do here? Why are we here? Why are we in, in pews on a Sunday morning? This is so strange to maybe an outsider looking in. No, it's not. This is where we get calibrated. This is where uh, we engage with one another in community so that we are strong, strong in faith, rich in love. And when we go out into the world, we are taking on our great commission uh, to witness and to save those that don't believe, that don't understand. In a nutshell, right? He's bringing his kingdom to pass through his church. 
So when I talk about the kingdom, I'm talking about his kingdom. I'm not talking about uh, United States of America. When I say Jesus' kingdom, the Lord's prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, that thy kingdom what? Come. That's the kingdom I'm talking about. When he was, when he was preaching in this parable to his disciples, he was trying to get them to understand that you are living for something that is not brick and mortar. You're living for something that is not here and now. It is for my kingdom. You are going to lose everything, but it is going to be for my kingdom. You are going to suffer for my namesake. Many of them uh, uh, were martyred or lost their lives here, but they gained eternal life. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get you to see beyond your three score and ten here, beyond your life here, and see the kingdom. See what God can do in you to raise up others, to raise up that spiritual army within the hearts and minds of the lost so that we can see a great harvest for his kingdom. And, and let me tell you, there is, it, there's a time limit on it. We don't know. But when Jesus comes back to establish his kingdom in his 1,000 year reign on this earth, it's, that's it. It's done. Now's the time to get busy. Now is the time to be living for His kingdom and praying that it comes. Not to be living for what? Ourselves. And so last week, the blessings and the woes are how to live a blessed life now. What is that? We talked about it. We broke it, we broke it apart and, and, and we, we dove into it. So if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to that message. I don't have time to re- rework it right now. This week is drone living. Drone living. That's the title of the message. He went into the blessed are the, right? Woe to them that are. And this is the next part of his message. We're still week two breaking apart Jesus' message. Verse 27, Luke chapter 6, verse 27. And today's message will end at verse 38. You have to listen fast. Uh, I wasted a lot of time. Uh, So i got to cover a lot of ground quickly. Look at verse 27. But I say unto you, which hear... Love your enemies. How many of you struggle with that? Uh-huh. Okay, that was all really good. You painted these pretty pictures, Jose, about the kingdom coming and all that great stuff about what Jesus is going to do. But when somebody does me wrong, I'll show them a kingdom. <laughs> I'm judge, jury, and executioner right here. But do you understand, we talked last week that we want to live the blessed life. How do we live the blessed life? Man, I'm doing it again. I'm reviewing. By coming broken. By coming hungry. Spiritually hungry so that he can feed us. He just got done telling his disciples, whatever you think about religion, forget it. You come to me, I'll fill you. You come empty, I'll give you living water. You come thirsty, I'll quench it with something that you've never experienced before, right? And then he goes right into this. But I say unto you, which hear, which hear, that's the problem. We have a generation whose ears are closed. They don't know how to listen because they got earbuds in there. Huh. They got the beats audio on their ears, therefore they're not hearing. What is that? Do you hear what the... No. Anyway... They're not hearing it. So Jesus said, hey, and I think, I experienced this, right? He just gave the first part of his message, and now he's going into the next. But I say unto you which hear, that's his way of snapping his fingers. That's his way of saying, hey, look up in here. Hey, pay attention. Hey, I just got done with the blessings and the woes. I'm not done yet. Listen to what I'm about to tell you next. Do you see that? Even Jesus struggled with keeping their attention. 
So now I don't feel so bad. <laughs> so he says, but I say unto you which hear, love your enemies. I bet everybody right then and there, huh? Think about the culture. Think about the setting. We already know that one of his disciples was Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot. Simon the terrorist. Simon the person who, if given the opportunity, would probably kill a Roman official. Because they were destroying Judaism as he knew it. Radicals were there just like they were today. And Jesus says, hey, 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 look up in here, Simon. Why don't you love your enemy? Huh? I'm going to kill the enemy. They don't understand. They don't believe the way I believe. Oh, okay, you're going to kill them? How about you love them? Ooh, counterculture. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. Look at verse 29. And unto him that smiteth thee on one side of the cheek, offereth also the other. Him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid him not to take thy coat also. Hey, if he takes your cloak, say, hey, here's my hoodie, bro. Verse uh, 30. Give to every man that asketh of thee. And of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. What would we call that in modern vernacular? The The golden rule. But we're going to come back to that. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. In other words, if you're doing good to somebody that's going to do good back to you, (laughs) you're really not going out of your way. Understood? And if ye do that which is good, which is good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. Next verse, 34. And if ye lend them, lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much. Next verse, I'm going to go ahead and read all the way to the end, Jose. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend hoping for nothing again. Oh my goodness. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Look at the context that this is in. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Verse 38, give, and it shall be given to you. Ooh, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that is meet or acceptable with it shall be measured to you again. That verse, put it in context now with Jesus' message. He's saying, give like this to your who? Ooh, son. I'm skirt. Are you scared? Drone living. The most foundational mark of a genuine believer is love. Yes or no? Yes. But the trouble is, is when we define that love scripturally, it scares us. Drone living, the most foundational part is love. To turn the other cheek like Jesus did is to accept hostility and ill treatment without hatred or retaliation, but to show love in return. Listen, listen fast. 1 Peter 2, 23 says, Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Did we see that picture when Jesus went to the cross? Who, when he was punished, did not retaliate? We said we'd come back to the golden rule. 
This golden rule, this golden principle you can find within other religions. Isocrates said it this way. Do not do to others that which angers you when they do to you. Don't retaliate. Isocrates. I'm going to explain to you through this drone living. It's just a random title. You'll get it in a minute. But I'm going to explain to you why Christianity is different than all the other religions. Why we meet here today with an edge that they don't have. Why? Because Isocrates said it this way. Basically, just don't retaliate. Okay? Confucius counseled this. Anybody ever heard of Confucius? Confucius say, he who sits on toilet is high on pot. Just kidding. (laughs) Confucius counseled. That's my way in 2018 of saying, look up in here, right? (laughs) I had to say that. Just kidding. I didn't have to, but I did it anyway. (laughs) Confucius counseled, never impose on others what you would not choose for yourself. Confucius says, never impose on others what you, doesn't that sound like the golden rule? Doesn't that sound real, real close? Here's what it says for Confucius. Be reasonable. That's what that means. The apocryphal book of Tobit commands this. Do that to no man which thou hatest. In other words, be reasonable. These are ancient books. These are ancient philosophies that, that have been around for millennia, some of them. And what does it say? Don't do to other people which you hate. Don't pick on your sister like that because you don't like it when she picks on you. Right? The simplest of illustration. The famous Jewish rabbi Hillel summoned up the Torah in the statement, summed up the Torah in the statement, what is hateful to you, do not to your neighbor. Don't retaliate. But here's the subtle difference, but significant difference in the way that the Lord phrased this principle. Listen to it in this context. The negative versions of the golden rule are the epitome of human ethics, which is what we just read. Focus here. Yet they are little more than self-serving expressions of self-love, concerned primarily with obtaining good treatment for oneself in return. Jesus, however, calls for selfless love. Love that focuses solely on the well-being of its object. The subtle difference in what the world wants you to accept is humanistic. It is a self-preservation treatment when you only extend to others the way you want to be treated. Their intent, their ideology is self-preservation in mind. Here's the difference between those moral mindsets and the gospel. It's strictly the fact that the gospel says, I am solely focused on the well-being of that object, that person. That's the difference. The love commanded seeks to treat others the way it would want to be treated by them, even if they do not love that way in return. That's the difference. Do you see the difference? The reciprocal nature is where the gospel is different. I'm going to get up here and sing about the reckless love of God. I could barely hear my key this morning. (laughs) I'm like trying to sing it. Why? Because I want to sing about the reckless love of God. I want to tell you about this amazing love that wants nothing in return, that has no preconditions. He loves you and he loves you just the way you are, expecting nothing in return. But Confucius say, watch the retaliation. That's the context that they have in mind. I told you, I'm pulling back the veil. This is like next level Christianity here. I don't know if you're ready for it. I think you are. Romans 5.5 5 says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Church, we need help. 
help with this kind of love? Can you, can I get a witness? Do you need help with this kind of love? 110%. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God is shedding this love abroad so that you can love with that love. You can love with the object, the person in mind and solely them, not requiring anything in return. But for the grace of God, so go I. How do we accept this mentality that I am to love according to their end and not my own? I am to be reckless with my love to the point that I'm only worried about the way this turns out for you and not for me. Titus 3.5, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving uh, divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the eternal hope of eternal life. Church, we can do this because He enabled us to do it. We can love that way because He had no conditions on us. So therefore, when we take the approach that other religions say and speak to the golden rule with this type of living, this type of behavior, maybe you're a Christian, maybe you're a a believer now that is truly self-centered on your moral behavior. I'm sitting here in church because I'm a good person. I'm sitting here in church because I want the karma to return to me. I want God to bless me. I'm about to blow that up. I'm about to light that philosophy on fire and we're just going to let it go and we're never going to approach that again because that is believing in your core, believing in your mind that you are doing something because you earned it or can earn it or have something good in you that can merit that type of behavior and that's not what the gospel is is the gospel is we were undeserving we are without and if you're here and you've never put your faith and trust in christ you're going to hell i'm sorry because we're all sinners we all can't make it to heaven on our own but praise god if you accept jesus and what he did you'll accept everything that he has and he will grab you he will hug you he will love you he will put like the prodigal son the robe on you he'll call you by a new name his name and you'll have everything in him and he will have you it's an amazing thing the gospel so therefore when it comes to us living our lives in him we are not living with our money we are not living with our thought I am not giving to you based on my investments. I'm giving to you based on what someone gave to me. And what does that mean? I'm going to give it liberally. I don't know what it's like to have eternal riches and glory. I don't know what it's like to have eternal love. I don't know what it's like beyond Jesus to have anything good. But let me tell you something. He gave it all to me. He gave it all to me. And so therefore, here I go. Check me out. Here's some love for all of you. i got a lifestyle that's abundant in love. Abundant in faith. Why? Because He gave it to me abundantly. It's not ours to siphon. It's not ours to control. It's not ours to say, I'm going to give you this much and I'm going to give you this much. He said, I gave you everything when I gave you my son. Stop controlling it. That's why the Bible says the fruits of the Spirit against such there is no law. There is no regulation on the love that you can have for a lost and dying world. Jesus is not commanding you to love your enemies without giving you all the love that will spill over and love them. He's not saying, 
go out into the world and love all those that hate you without giving you so much love that you can't keep it. I can't hold the love of God. I just got to, here you go, let me give you some more because she's pouring it out on me. Drone living. The things that you won't experience when you are living for the kingdom. I got a toy this week. (laughs) So I do roof estimates. And I spoke to my wonderful bosses. And I said, I think, I think I can do good with this little thing. I think I can get up there. And I would fly it, but I forgot to charge the battery last night. I can get up there and see things that, you know, I can show the insurance adjuster and all that. And I can fly it up there. And you know what I've learned just with a week of working with this thing? Not that I, you know, I've, I've done sales for quite some time. And every salesman's looking for an edge, right, to make that sale, to close that deal. But, like, I don't even have to do that. <laughs> with this thing, I fly this joker outside, and I start showing them the, the remote here. The remote here clips into my phone, so this thing opens up. My phone clips in there. I got my antennas. And this thing starts flying, and my phone becomes the video feed from the drone. So I fly this puppy up to the problem area, and here's what happens. The homeowners are like, hey, let me see that. Let me see that thing. And they come and they're enamored by the way their house looks from 30 feet up above it. And they're like, show show me that leak. Show me that chimney. Zoom in on my skylight. There's where it's coming in. Right there. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you're basically selling yourself a roof. (laughs) Do you understand what's happening here? And I just kind of turned the remote and they're they're like, man, let me take a picture of that. Let me see that. I'm like, it's okay. I'll take the pictures right here. <laughs> and I have a little button on my, I can take the pictures and download them and send them to them. But the point is, is in order to make the changes that they need to make, they needed to see it from a different, what? Perspective. Drone living. Oh man, can you take it up higher? Look at the neighbor's house. I'm like, dude, that's creepy, bro. <laughs> That's creepy. Okay, I did it too. That was the first thing I did when I got it. I flew the thing all the way around my neighborhood. I know how many in-ground pools they have. Like, it's crazy. And it's amazing when you start deploying that drone in your own neighborhood. Watch, 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 watch. How much you learn about them. It's amazing how much they learned about their house just seeing it from a different perspective. That's kingdom living. Jesus was trying to tell his disciples, I'm going to deploy the drone in your life. And when you start viewing things the way I see it, from my perspective, it's going to change the way you live. It's going to change the way you operate. Go back to your text real quick. Go back to your text. Verse 27. I have to move quickly. But I thank unto you which hear, love your enemies. Hey, church. This is drone living. How many of you can love your enemies when all you're focused on is the hate you have for your enemy? It's impossible. He's telling them you must see this from a different perspective. And that's what I'm going to ask you to do today. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. Verse 29, and unto you that smiteth thee on one cheek, offer him the other. I'm going to get down to the nitty gritty real quick. Here's two things that you won't find in kingdom living. 
When you're focused on Jesus' point of view, here's two things that he said in his own message that you will not experience. Number one, a grudge. Do you see it? Do you see that? If you're loving your enemies, you'll never experience a what? A grudge. How many of, how many of, of you have ever had a grudge? That's when we're living like this. The gospel is something that we deploy in our lives that allows us to see outside of ourselves. The first thing Jesus addresses in the Sermon on the Mount when it became applicable, he said, listen, love your enemies. If they insult you, turn the other cheek. Let them insult you again. What is he? It, it's not a protection thing. It's not a be foolish with your family, leave a a gun on your front porch, let them come in and kill you. That's not what it's saying. There's principles for protecting your family in the Bible, right? That's not the topic, but that's not what it's saying. It's not saying be unsafe. It's saying don't retaliate because you're concerned about them. You're loving them to a place that they need to be loved to because you're seeing it from a different perspective. So how do we know if we're doing that or not? Let me ask you this one simple question. Do you have a grudge right now? Look in your heart. This is where the gospel becomes applicable. Are we living gospel-centered lives? Let me ask you, do you have a grudge? If you have a grudge in your heart, you're not seeing it from a gospel perspective. What did Jesus say? Two men that died in the Bible. One is Jesus, Luke 23, 34. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Stephen being stoned, a deacon in the Bible, a martyr for God, Acts 7. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice. Here's what Stephen was worried about. When he was dying, when he was taking his last breath, he had a different perspective. What did he say? Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Church, how can we get? How can we get there that when we're in the moment, when we're in the heat of the moment, and we want to have hate, we see it from a different perspective. And we can only have love. I can only give you what I'm consumed with, and that's the gospel. And the gospel is telling me right now. And the toughest thing is this usually hits us in our families. Our mothers, our fathers, our siblings that know us, that know those buttons to push, that know what to say and how to say it and how to get in deep. But God called you to love them unconditionally and for them and not for you. In those moments in your marriage, deploy grace. Deploy kingdom living. Look down at yourself and say, help me love, Jesus. Help me love. If you have a grudge in your life, then you're struggling with this. Number two, greed. Look at verse 30. Quickly. Verse 30. I have four minutes. Luke chapter 6, verse 30. Give to every man that asketh of thee. Isn't this funny how Jesus goes right for the pocketbooks in his message? Church, I'm just preaching next verse. You got me? You know what I'm saying? I'm not one that likes to preach on money. But does he go there? Does he go there? Yes, he does. Why? Because it's a surefire way to see where our heart is. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also 
Church, look at it. It's not my words. Verse 30, Jesus says, I'm going to read 30 to 38 quickly. Give to every man that asketh of thee. And of them that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. What are they going to do with it? (laughs) That's the first thing that we say. What are you going to do with it? I'm going to be here tomorrow. I want to see a full report of everything I just gave you. (laughs) Look at verse 30. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods. What does it say? Ask them not again. Stop it. You're giving to them not for what? It's not for them. Do you understand? This gospel principle deployed in your life is how you are to treat your money. And and we already established that the golden rule from Jesus' perspective was completely gospel-centered, right? So ultimately, it's I'm just giving everything and God's going to have to do something with it. And the trouble is, and here's where I have a problem. I'm just being transparent with you. I have been burnt in the past. In my giving, I've been burnt. And it's taken me some time to recover. And some of you have been burnt way worse than me. Ah, I hate that. Why do I hate that? Because the kingdom is telling me that that didn't go the way it should have gone. But let me ask you this question. Isn't God big enough? Isn't he going to bring about his kingdom either way? Let me ask you this question. In the 12, wasn't there one that was a devil? Even in his 12, it was not outside of his will. He will use that for his good. Look at, look at this stuff. I can't make it up. Go to verse 38. Go to verse 38. I have to move ahead. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall. Wait a minute. What does it say? Men give into your bosom. For with the same measure or with the same cup that you gave, that is the same cup that it's going to be used to give back to you. Church, we have to put this verse in context. Number one, you're not living a kingdom mindset, a kingdom lifestyle, that drone view in your faith if you're experiencing a grudge. That's what Jesus addresses first. And number two, he addresses our wallets. And he says, you're never going to experience a kingdom lifestyle if you're experiencing greed. Number one, a grudge. Number two, are you greedy? Do you have that filter That it's just, ugh, I just can't, ugh. Luke 6.38 explains how we're supposed to do it. The reason we are losing a generation in our country is because we haven't taught this type of living. Loving the way Jesus is calling you to love requires us to sacrifice what we want and choose to display what he wants. Loving the way Jesus requires us to love requires a sacrifice of what we want and it requires us to display what he wants. That's tough. I told you, this is like I'm pulling back the curtain. Mm. Kingdom living is making a decision based on how it will reflect Jesus instead of how it will affect you. Oh, I spent some time on that one. I hate that this gets down to a 30-second thing. Listen to me, church. Kingdom living is making a decision based on how it will reflect Jesus and not how it will affect you. 
how's this love that I'm going to give to my sister, brother, sister, enemy, whatever? The enemy is the sister, always. Just kidding. (laughs) But seriously. (laughs) Or in-law. My poor mother-in-law. How is this going to reflect Jesus right now? No. Church, don't we make decisions based on how this is going to affect what? Me. Drone. Okay, okay, God. Deploy the kingdom drone. Let me see this situation from outside of myself. Oh, do you know what that means? You're asking God to show you how will this reflect Jesus instead of how this will affect you? How will this grudge affect the way my family sees Jesus? How will this grudge against my coworker affect the way my boss sees Jesus? That's what he's telling his disciples. He's saying, 12, let me tell you something. You're about to go through some crazy times. I have to prepare you. Church, we are living in some crazy times. It's time that we start thinking about how our actions reflect Jesus and not how they affect us. I have two very practical things. Does this make sense? The, The thought's connected. Okay. I have two very practical things. Maybe get a pen out. Write this down. Get a pen out. Put it in your phone. Type it in. Whatever you gotta do. Write it on your hand. I can text it to you if you want. Here's the... You know, I love this. Nacho Libre, one of my favorite movies. The nitty-gritty. I'm going to give you the nitty-gritty. Here it is. Make a plan and work the plan. Where do you begin with this lifestyle? Church, when I let that drone go over that person's house, it's like, oh my goodness. What's going on? What's that? What's that? What's that? I'm like, your roof is about to cave in. Is it really? No. I'm just showing them a perspective that they've never seen before. So that's you right now in the pew. The gospel is hovering above you going, you got all kind of grudges up in that heart. The drone has done told you. The gospel has revealed it to you that you are a greedy son of a gun. You haven't given to that homeless man in months. Because what is he going to do with it? I've been, I I was going to give to the church. You know, the church, we already talked about it, is the way that the gospel is deployed. I was going to be faithful, but don't ask. And the context is not like a business meeting. We're going to get there, okay? That's not the context. The point is, is why are you giving? That's the point. You're giving, listen to me, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, shall men give unto your what? Bosom, let me tell you why you're giving. Jesus said, if you give in this way, they'll see that that's not you. It's not in our nature to give away. It's in our nature to what? Hold. Take care of my own. I I, got to look out for mine. So when you go, they're going to go, they got something I what? Don't have. If I showed my checkbook to a newcomer that never tithed in their life and I said, yeah, I give about 20% of what I make goes right back out because that's the cup that he's called me to give it to him. Many of you faithfully every week decide by faith that you're going to give and tithe 
Give to missions. Give above and beyond. That's been your decision. Watch this. When you share that, not in a boastful way, but in a, I give because it's what He's called me to do. Listen, church. Other people will see a perspective that they do not have. We've talked about that. Karen, do you mind if I embarrass you for just a second? Karen, when I said I want to start Bethlehem Church, we had talked for years and years and years, probably about five years, and she said, if you ever decide to start a church, I want to be the first one to help you. So when I had the wild hair and it's time, it's ready, I, I made a phone call. I said, Karen, it's time. She's faithfully given since before Bethlehem even started, she began tithing to our church from before the beginning all the way up to now, faithfully. Why? Because that's drone kingdom living. Because you're a great person? No. Because that's what the gospel has called us to do. And selflessly, she does it. There's just some strange thing involved here. The way we love and the way we give. Do you see it? Right here in the text, when Jesus talks about living a gospel mindset, it's how are you loving and how are you giving? The two practical things that I want to ask you. Number one, if you're going to plan to make a change, how many of you, and and not to embarrass, but just practically speaking, how many of you, and my hand's going to be up, can say, I want to do better in these areas. I want to do better. Anybody? Yeah. Okay, cool. If you want to do better, the road, let, let me help you with something. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yes or no? Uh huh. Oh, I'm gonna. Mm hmm. Yeah. Said everyone all the time. And they never do it. Church, there's no time to not commit. Let me give you two things that that will help you. Write down your plan. Number one, as it pertains to a grudge or as it pertains to loving. Here it is. Write down five people that you would be uncomfortable being around. Write down. I didn't hear that. It's probably a good thing. No joke. Listen. Take your pen. Write it down. Not right now. Write down five people that you're uncomfortable being around. This is your homework. Five people. Watch this. Pray for them this week. Where do you start? Where do I start with this? What Jesus is calling me to do is such a huge task. I just don't know if I can. Calm down. We've all been there where we're overwhelmed. Write down five people that you would be uncomfortable being in a room because of whatever has transpired and pray for them this week. How many of you say, Pastor Matt, I'm going to take that on and I'm going to do it. I'm going to write down five people and I'm going to pray for them this week. Come on, come on. Here's the invitation. This is it. Practically, we're doing some nitty-gritty work. All right, cool. I got most of you. Number two, here's the second thing that you need to do to begin living that kingdom mind, that kingdom lifestyle, drone living. Write down where all your money went last month. Listen, listen. Write down where all your money went last month and see how generous you are. Hit mute. Oh, it's Mr. Dan. Let it ring. It's all good. Church, listen to me. Look at me. It's okay. Write down all the money, where it went, all the money you spent last month. Here's the easiest way. Go to Bank of America, right, or wherever you bank. Print out your statement and see where your money went. Ask yourself this question. 
How generous was I? Let the drone deploy the, deploy the gospel in your life right now. Let it look down and see how generous you were this week. Some of you are so faithful, and thank you from the bottom of my heart. But what does that say? It means that you are letting the gospel work out in your finances. Write it down. How generous you were. And here's my challenge to you on that. Live by faith. Live by faith. Prayer prepares you for the work of God. Watch this. You need to tweet this. Generosity displays God at work. Listen, church. Prayer prepares you for the work of God. You're going to pray for those five. But generosity displays God at work. It's one thing to come in here and pray with us. It's another thing to go online and set automatic giving to reoccurring. You're deploying generosity in your life, and that's what God loves. Read this passage, dissect it, break it apart, and I know you'll be blessed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody's looking. Pastor Matt, this was like a kind of a tough message to do. Like, I don't know how I'm going to execute this. Plan your work and work your plan. I'm going to pray over all of you right now. Right now. I'm just going to pray that God gives you the peace to live this way. The stakes are high. There's someone around you that's lost. I'm just going to just going to tell you right now there is someone around you that is lost they need to see Jesus in you do you agree if you agree then it's time it's time to live the way we should have been living the way he calls us to live I just believe that he's working in your heart right now Pastor Matt, can you pray for me? Is that you? You feel like you're weak in this and you want me to pray for you? Raise your hand. Okay. Awesome. I got you. I got you. Father God, I pray for our church. Father, I I just, I want to speak life into them this morning. I'm sure the disciples thinking about (laughs) the collection of people that were the 12 that we've already talked about in, in weeks before, but But Father, thinking about the challenges that Jesus had in trying to get this mindset, this kingdom mindset, into the lives of the disciples, it was challenging. It had to be the most challenging thing, Father. But Father, it was worth it. And Father, I pray that you would give the peace, the grace, the mercy in the lives of our church the people that make up our church, Father. I pray that you would help them with their grudges right now, Father. I pray you would take it from them. I pray, Father, that it would just, the hatred would leave. You would fill their heart with love, Father, right now for those people that need the gospel through them. For those that need to see them living out that gospel mindset. Father, I pray that you would help us to live generous lives. I pray, Father, that Each and every one, as they look at their finances and they look at what they've spent last month, that that you would help them 
set apart. Set apart some of their finances, Father, for for generosity. Father, so that they can engage in that gospel work. Father, I know they'll be blessed. Father, I have been blessed in an incredible way of peace and, and hope and faith that I have in my life, Father, because of your goodness. I pray that over them right now. We trust you, we love you, and we thank you for what you're going to do. It's in your son's name. Amen.